Welcome to Reason for Hope. My name is Adrian, and I'm in studio live streaming from our church, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson, Tucson, Arizona, and in studio with our senior pastor, Scott Richards. That would be me. So Senior. Yeah. Not the senior. Yeah. <laughs> Junior. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Junior. Junior. And uh, for those of you who may be new, this is a reason for hope. We are a weekday Bible answer program where we live stream right from our studio here in Tucson, Arizona, Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. Uh, and we are here to answer your questions about the Bible, about the historic Christian faith, about how to defend the faith, how to, uh, is faith reasonable? You know, <clears throat> there's a time where people thought that Faith meant checking your brain at the door or uh, believing in what you know isn't true. That's what faith is. Well, that's not what faith is. It's not what the Hebrews believe faith was. It's not what Christians believe what faith is. So if you are a person of faith or a person curious about faith, chime in. You can join us on uh, by email. You can just email us directly. If you have a question, a specific passage, or a doctrine of the Christian faith, uh, how do I understand the Trinity? Can I really know that Jesus came back from the dead? I'd encourage you to do that. And you can email us directly, questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's all letters, no numbers, as you may see the logo from time to time with the number four there. But it's just questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Facebook. We live stream to Facebook and YouTube simultaneously. So you can just go to our Facebook page or go to Facebook and search for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson or go directly to going to our URL, which is facebook.com forward slash CCF Tucson. Our YouTube channel, just go to YouTube, look for A Reason for Hope. <clears throat> You'll find us, and if you want to go directly to our channel, you can go to youtube.com forward slash at A Reason for Hope 546. And lastly, if you want to avoid social media platforms altogether and just want to watch the live stream, be able to answer, a ask questions, you can go straight to our website, that's calvarychristianfellowship.com, and then hit that Watch Live tab. And that's how you'll know you can catch us. <clears throat> we not only live stream this program, A Reason for Hope, weekdays, Monday through Friday, that is, uh, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, because we're in the mountains, and we're those strange folks that never change our clocks. But um, Mountain Standard Time. And <clears throat> loving it. <laughs> and loving it, yes. Yeah. It's, it's a thrill to not have to change our clocks. But uh, um, you can um, watch all of our services there. So if you... Again, all these platforms that I just mentioned, we have our Wednesday evening Oasis service, which we are currently going through the book of Ezekiel, and you can, and that's at 6.30 p.m., and of course, our Sunday morning services are 9 and 11 a.m., and we are currently going through the book of Acts. Now, when I say we are currently going through, that's because we teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. So we teach through the Bible rather than whatever pet ideas we might have. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, it's something I... It keeps I us off of our hobby horses, so yeah, to speak. It yes, it does. Yeah, I really yeah. appreciate that yeah. about um, our methodology and our approach to going through the entire counsel of God's Word. And of course, um, <clears throat> want to encourage you as well, if you're in our community, part of our fellowship, even if you're not, we have an app that you can download from the Apple or Google Play Store. You just go there and look for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You'll see that little red icon with the white dove. You'll know that's ours. This uh, convenient little app, you can track events, uh, do giving. You have a nifty digital Bible, multiple translations. You can highlight and uh, leave notes as you go through God's Word. You, Of course, you can go through the archive of our previous messages uh, as we've gone through the books of the Bible. So I would encourage you to download if you haven't. <clears throat> also, if you um, are far away and you want to watch our live streams and you happen to have an Amazon or a Roku smart device, you can go on those platforms and just add our channel. And you can watch not just this program, but all of our services and special events. So I'd encourage you to download the CCF app. Also, in invite you to follow our senior pastor on the X platform, formerly Twitter. And his handle is at Scott R4H. That's at Scott R4H. Especially if you're very uh, intrigued with staying on top of Bible prophecy, current events, uh, I would really encourage you to follow Pastor Scott on the X platform. Uh, uh, it's really, and, and, and of course, it's also very entertaining. You'll get uh, some humor from time to time, but staying on top of current events. And of course, if you want to tweet a question for this program, I think he'll be checking it out throughout the program, and I'll be checking out all the other platforms. So if you leave a question, we'll get to it. <clears throat> if we run out of time today, we have a, a question log. We'll get to it 
uh, on the next program. So be sure to tune in every day if we don't get to your question. Before we get started with today's prophecy update on what's going on current events, we'll take a moment to pray. Yeah, let's do that. Father, I thank you that we can invite your presence here. And Lord, uh, no matter what's going on in our life circumstantially, I thank you, Lord, that your word is the answer to it all. And just keeping your principles, your precepts, even remembering the practical examples of how you've dealt with people down through time can give us such peace and such guidance, especially in confusing and difficult times like the ones we're in. So, Father, uh, we pray that uh, you would be stirring the hearts of those that are joining us in the broadcast to uh, ask questions, knowing that's not just their question getting answered, but maybe the question on the, the hearts of many people uh, across our platform that uh, they're going to get a chance to minister to just by asking the question. And, and Lord, we pray that as we answer these questions, you would give Adrian and I uh, the power of your spirit to not only be able to factually and uh, scripturally accurately uh, answer these questions, but to do so in a way that your spirit takes these truths and ministers to our hearts in such a way that we end up more like Jesus as a result. I pray that if there are those that are tuning in that uh, maybe are on the outside in looking at a relationship with you, that you would beckon them to yourself, that they would come to know you as their personal Savior, even as this broadcast unfolds, uh, that they would realize that uh, you love them, that you sent your son to die for them. And if they put their faith and their trust in what Jesus has done and his resurrection from the dead, you'll receive them as dearly loved sons and daughters. I pray many will take you up on that offer as the broadcast unfolds. Thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to explore your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you. Well, um, <laughs> a lot has happened today and in the last couple days, uh, especially with the shipping lanes in the Red Sea and the Houthi rebels and... Yeah, whew. yeah, things have shifted south as far as what's going on there. You know, the, uh, the question comes up, uh, is uh, what's going on in the conflict between the terrorists of Hamas and the IDF something that could end up becoming a regional war on Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, mm. uh, issued uh, you know, some real concerns about seeing this conflict uh, become regional. Well, uh, I hate to sound cynical, but it seems to me that that cow's already left the barn. Mm -hmm. It is a regional conflict, and if you don't believe it's regional, you're not paying attention to what is going on uh, in uh, the uh, narrow strip of land that separates the Saudi Arabian Peninsula from the Red Sea, the main shipping lanes of the Suez Canal. We've kept you up to date about the Houthi rebels, and as we uh, went into the broadcast last night, uh, the United States, so uh, along with uh, Great Britain, Australia, the Netherlands, and a few other nations, conducted a uh, multinational uh, attack on the Houthis with uh, the uh, purpose being in mind to disable their ability to interrupt the flow of traffic in that uh, section of the world. Uh, Sixty facilities, according to CENTCOM, uh, were hit during these attacks, most of them weapons storage facilities, uh, taking out the weapons that the Houthis had stored there. Well, that'll probably boost Iran's economy because they'll have to replace those weapons. Uh, and uh, again, the Houthis, for their part, claimed uh, that they shot down a U.S. Uh, F-22 Raptor. Uh, the Pentagon uh, vociferously denies this uh, particular assertion. Russia is getting involved in what is going on here as far as uh, things going more and more uh, beyond regional, I would say, and almost to international, on a couple of different fronts. Uh, Russia has demanded uh, UN Security Council uh, crisis uh, session to be able to address uh, what is going on here and call for an immediate unconditional ceasefire of Israel in uh, Gaza, uh, as well as uh, what is going on there in uh, the uh, south side of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. Uh, interestingly, the Russians are also involved in this particular conflict in that uh, the Houthis, um, you have to give them points for enthusiasm, if not confidence, decided to attack a uh, oil tanker that was proceeding through this particular neck of the woods. Uh, they sent their uh, normal uh, uh, fast boat boarding parties, launched a couple of missiles at this particular tanker until they were informed in no uncertain terms, that this was a Russian oil tanker, at which point the attacks summarily ceased. 
I can tell you a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, who's playing who and on what side of things mm-hmm. uh, uh, going on here. Now, when uh, this attack uh, was authorized last night, uh, our President Joe Biden came out and announced that this attack was uh, taking place after the uh, planes had taken off. Uh, and uh, for his trouble, uh, he is now being called to account by the uh, House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. Uh, both sides of the aisle, uh, in fact, more Democrats than Republicans, are calling out Joe Biden for this particular uh, military uh, effort because he did not secure congressional approval before authorizing the attack. Now, there's a a debate that goes on as to whether uh, the president does have the ability to unilaterally authorize such an attack without consulting with Congress. Uh, In fact, uh, no less uh, an experienced and trained uh, practitioner of all things senatorial, Joe Biden himself called out Donald Trump for doing the same thing when the United States took out Qasem Soleimani with a a drone strike in Iraq uh, back in 2020. So it seems like uh, the cows have kind of come back to, uh, to to the barn and now they've left. So all of this is just to say what we're seeing in essence is a couple of things. Jesus said that there would be wars and rumors of wars that directly would impact Israel, but would have worldwide implications. I think we are definitely seeing that, and if you're paying attention at home to what's going on uh, in this region, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to tell you this is a certified birth pain that Jesus warned about in Matthew 24. It's, there's, there's no two ways about it. Another interesting thing that is going on here is uh, you've probably heard that at the International Court of Justice, uh, Israel is being, well, uh, singled out and cited for uh, committing the war crime of genocide uh, against Hamas in that particular region. Uh, Very interesting that South Africa would be the one uh, bringing the charge uh, against Israel. Why South Africa? Doesn't that seem a little obtuse? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. First of all, Hamas has no standing with the United Nations because it is not a national entity. It's not recognized as such. It is labeled a terrorist organization uh, by uh, most countries in this world. So they have no standing to be able to uh, do their thing and and, uh, launch their accusations against Israel. So who would Hamas then turn to in terms of using this diplomatic front uh, to try to put pressure on Israel? And uh, uh, believe me, you know, although the International Court of Justice has been called a paper tiger, a lot of, uh, to paraphrase Shakespeare, sound and fury signifying nothing, uh, it is the first step, really, toward uh, moving the United Nations in the direction of uh, economic sanctions against Israel. You Mm -hmm. might recall that uh, the apartheid regime in South Africa was brought down by a similar uh, step-by-step set of uh, circumstances and and moves with the UN beginning in the International Court of Mm -hmm. Justice. So if that was your goal, uh, that would definitely be something that you would want to do. So why South Africa? Well, uh, basically because no Arab country that has standing here would take the job. And this tells us something, and Adrian, you've been uh, an individual that has spent quite a bit of time in that neck of the woods, in Egypt, for instance, and and other uh, Arab nations, Jordan, and and others around there. Um, I I would ask you, why does it seem like uh, the Arab nations, which we would think would be completely in Hamas's corner here, seem to be, well, maintaining their distance from Hamas? Well, I don't know the answer to that question per se, but uh, it would seem to me that, like when I was in Turkey, I, I had sensed that there was a huge desire to be part of the EU, part of that, and, and perhaps there's a desire for uh, these Arab nations to have good relationships with Europe so that they'll take basically the rest of the world Or the side. West in general, yeah. Yeah, the West in general, and so that... You know, if you do something like what happened to the apartheid Af- South Africa, then it's easier to join the big guys 
and get your work done rather than joining everyone joining the guys everyone perceives as well they're not our, our enemy but we certainly can't endorse what they're doing okay so. well i guess uh, the, the 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 just to my question if i can focus down a little bit is this um why is it when uh, gaza for instance has become this war zone uh, that uh, the first thing that egypt did was close the borders uh with the with tanks and with the threat that if Israel facilitated any movement of Palestinians into Egypt, uh, that they would declare war on Israel. Oh, yeah, because every time <clears throat> one of these surrounding countries allows pa Palestinians to enter into their country, the country falls apart. <laughs> they, I mean, there's one thing to have, you have Islam, and then you have radical Islam, and for some reason, Hamas specifically, but Palestinians have a brand of hatred towards Jews and uh, not only that but against um, their fellow Muslims who are of a different sect they have a, a, tr a just a level of hostility and like that's what happened in Lebanon Lebanon was a, a, a really great place until more and more Palestinians moved in and all of a sudden now they're run by Hezbollah uh, which is the same kind of thinking that you have with Hamas, and so that would I would imagine that would be one reason why uh, these other surrounding countries don't want to have anything to do with them because they're too radical. Yeah, well, I think that's probably a big part of it. And uh, you know, when we see uh, South Africa being handed the baton, well, like you go do it, you make the case against Israel. We're not going to do it. Uh, I think uh, essentially uh, many of these Arab nations, first of all. Uh, are as concerned about who is backing Hamas in Gaza as uh, as any other threat. Uh, Saudi Arabia certainly has uh, no uh, kind intentions towards Iran, who is the, uh, the the puppet master behind all of these things. You know, and so when we see Arab nations, Arab nations tend to be Sunni Muslims, well, almost without exception. Uh, the uh, the groups that, that are allied with Iran tend to be Shiite Muslims. And as you said, the hatred that they have for the Jews is only exceeded by the hatred that they have towards another sect of Islam that they would consider mm. to be apostate. And if our, our, uh, my right-hand man, protege, all-around good guy, Sean, was here, he could probably elaborate on that yeah. and give you Quran uh, chapter and surah and verse. Uh, but the, the, the interesting thing is this. South Africa has gone in there. They've made this case uh, to the International Court of Justice. Uh, there is a uh, commentary uh, that is running in the Jerusalem Post uh, by a, a writer by the name of Brooke Goldstein and another Gerald Filetti. They are uh, legal experts who work for the Jerusalem Post. And the headline is very interesting. The International Court of Justice is illegitimate, but it is an existential threat to Israel. In other words, this, you know, it's been said that uh, diplomacy is war conducted by any other means. Uh, the first uh, step has been this battle with guns and tanks and ammunition and bombs and so forth. But uh, the second front that we're seeing here is entirely diplomatic. And I think you're going to see more and more of this uh, going on as this conflict continues and as the fortunes of Hamas continue to decline as Israel uh, occupies and controls more and more of the Gaza Strip. Almost uh, like a sacrificial lamb. <laughs> yeah. So I guess back to the original point and the highlight of this particular prophecy update, uh, what we're seeing here, uh, and you know, again, my apologies to Anthony Blinken, is saying that we don't want this to become a regional conflict is kind of silly to me because it is a regional conflict. To the north, you have Lebanon that is involved here. You have Syria now saber-rattling as far as uh, wanting to attack uh, Israel. Uh, again, militias in Syria controlled by Iran are about the business of attacking uh, U.S. Uh, uh, military bases that have been set up in that particular region. The uh, Prime Minister of Iraq has said that the time for the United States being in Iraq at all militarily has passed. They need to go. Uh, the, uh, the, the whole notion that uh, we are seeing uh, not just, uh, say, Israeli uh, commerce and the economy 
uh, being affected by all this. But uh, the economic flow of 15% of uh, the world's commerce going through the Suez Canal has now been effectively shut down in all of this. Turkey, uh, again, uh, Recep Erdogan, uh, the prime minister there, uh, stirring the pot and talking about uh, how uh, the Jews are committing genocide, and it's a shame Mm -hmm. the whole world, of course, ignoring the Armenian genocide that Turkey was involved with, uh, which Israel was quick to point out. But, uh, you know, we, we see this thing beginning to grow and grow and grow. Now we see the United States, we see the Netherlands, we see Australia, we see the U.K. involved in attack on the Houthis, uh, and the Houthis essentially saying that they have declared war on uh, not just us, but all these other nations. I don't see how you can call this a regional conflict anymore. It's becoming a global one, especially with Russia becoming involved on the level that uh, they're involved with. So uh, does this surprise students of biblical prophecy? No, not in the slightest. Jesus said that nation would rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There would be plagues and Mm. famines, wars and rumors of wars. He said, see to it that you are not afraid for these things must happen, but the end is not yet. What Jesus is saying there is that these birth pains will continue to grow in frequency and intensity. They will build up to a peak and then they will subside for a time. You know, when I think of uh, the developments that are going on in the International Court of Justice, I can't help but think about Zechariah chapter 12 uh, and verse 1. It says, The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel, thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness Mm -hmm. to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And in that day, I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples, all peoples. Who would all uh, would who would heave it out of the way will be cut to pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it in that day. Wow! So uh, you know, seeing this thing becoming more and more widespread, people are saying, you know, well, are you thinking that this is World War Three? I, I don't. I think uh, it is definitely a global conflict because of the nature of the nation states that are involved with it. Uh, as far as a world war is concerned, unless something else happens, uh, unless, say, uh, for instance, uh, we go directly after Iran or Israel does, mm-hmm. and Russia decides to respond in its alliance with Iran, its deal with the devil that it's made with them to keep the uh, uh, the Chechen rebels off of their, their back. Uh, you know, I, I'm not seeing like a massive world war coming out of all of this, but it is a very dicey set of circumstances and could uh, really uh, turn on a dime. I thought it was uh, fascinating that some of uh, the more conservatives, I think it was uh, Rand Paul, the uh, senator from uh, Tennessee, who said something to the effect that, uh, you know, this, uh, the uh, uh, going to war and being in favor of wars, I think he was uh, uh, for, uh, criticizing uh, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley when he was saying this. But uh, he was, he was uh, essentially saying that, um, you know, all of this uh, warmongering, it's all just designed to line the coffers of the military-industrial complex. It's going to get worse and worse, uh, and uh, the United States shouldn't have anything to do with any of uh, these mm. wars. Uh, another prominent congressman, Thomas Massey, said the same thing on CNN earlier today. But uh, what we're seeing is that is happening, whether we like it or not. I think uh, at this stage, we will see this build up to a fever pitch. Uh, But uh, again, you know, there were those uh, who would say that this is all designed to satisfy the desires of those who want to feed the military industrial complex by doing what the United States has always wanted to do, and that is attack Iran. Hmm. Well, we have a funny way of showing that we're Iran's mortal enemies. We keep sending them pallets of cash and uh, canceling their debts and freeing up uh, their finances. Over $6 billion in finances were freed up, coincidentally, uh, just about a month before the attacks happened from Hamas. So, uh, you know, to say that we are looking to get into a war with Iran, uh, I I think is not paying attention to Mm. the nature of things on the ground. The United States uh, desperately seems... Mm to want to curry Iran's attention. And the other thing that we have to take into account is that every day goes by, 
doesn't uh, stop the centrifuges from spinning in Iran, uh, purifying the uranium that they're going to need in order to become a nuclear power. And they have not, in any way, shape, or form, said that that is not their intention. So in a sense, this is buying time for Iran. Uh, If Iran declares that they become a nuclear power, well, then um, we could see, uh, well, Israel going into Iran, how Russia responds to all of that, uh, we don't know. Mm. But we do know this, that uh, all of this has been prophesied. All this has been predicted and that these things are going to continue to be what happens, what is characteristic of life in this world as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus. Mm. In fact, if you told me like even 10 years ago that we would be dealing with a a situation like this and that the uh, cast of characters as far as nation states and so on getting involved with all of this uh, and uh, the idea of Israel being attacked uh, from the north and the south uh, the idea of the United States getting involved, even the Houthi rebels of all people, uh, making a severe blow to international commerce like this. I wouldn't have believed it, hmm. but here we are. So, uh, we need to be praying again, uh, for Israel and, and by praying for Israel, uh, just, uh, another quick update for you. Our friend Amir Serfati, uh, posts this, a miracle on Shabbat evening Three Palestinian terrorists infiltrated into the Adora Jewish settlement near Hebron with the intent to massacre Jews. Uh, They were spotted on camera. IDF forces intercepted them and eliminated them. On their bodies were found an M16 assault rifle, rifle, eight Molotov cocktails, an axe, pepper spray, flashlights, knives, and plenty of uh, ammunition. But they were unable to to uh, complete their mission, so to speak. Uh, Again, uh, we need to be praying for uh, the the Jewish people. We need to be praying that God would uh, continue to protect them and watch out for them. And and if you would like to find out uh, more uh, about uh, where we, for instance, as a church, are coming from, as far as uh, the uh, situation going on there, uh, our, uh, again, my right-hand man, protege, all-around good guy, Sean Richards, has put together a series of videos that I think uh, will uh, really be able to help you get a grip on these sort of things. Uh, in, in other, they're uh, labeled uh, Why We Stand with Israel. Uh, one of them is the Islamic Motivation of Hamas, uh, discovering why, uh, as far as their own spiritual convictions that you mentioned, Uh, They uh, take the stand that they do. Uh, The history of Israel and Palestine, how uh, the combatants got into the situation they're in, and uh, the facts on the table, where things stand now as far as this conflict goes. Uh, They're pretty easily digestible, uh, 15-minute or so videos, but I think well worth your time if you really want to be uh, brought up to speed on all of that. And that's available on our YouTube site at uh, Reason for Hope. Uh, also available on our uh, main church website. That's calvarychristianfellowship.com. Soon. Yeah. Soon. Soon. <laughs> Coming to yeah. a site near you. I spoke out of turn. Yeah. But uh, you're our IT guy, so you know I, better than me. I, it's my job, and yeah, I, <laughs> I've been uh, fixing and doing new pages and all this stuff, and uh, I'm, I'm yet to do it. I'm determined to get them uh, looking nice and pretty tonight, so check, yep. check them out. But also, don't forget... <clears throat> Understanding Israel Conference coming up. Yes. January 19th through 20th. Registration is still available. We have seats. So I'd encourage you to go to our website, CalvaryChristianFellowship.com, and you'll see the banner and click on it. And then you just hit this registration button and you can register yourself and multiple people. Uh, so I'd encourage you to check that out. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Ronnie yeah. Simone, our tour guide from Israel. Uh, retired IDF colonel, tremendous grasp of uh, the events, uh, not only in Jewish history, but what's going on there now is going to be there. Our Friday night is going to be a chance for Ronnie to be able to share uh, an update about what's happening in that region from his uh, very learned perspective. And uh, then on Saturday, uh, he is going to be conducting an Israel Comes to You tour. 
uh, where uh, through the uh, magic of the internet and audio visuals, uh, he will be able to lead us on a tour of Israel, showing us the sites and being able to give his uh, expert uh, insight hmm. and analysis. And uh, you will know uh, not only Israel better as a result of all of this, uh, you'll never look at your Bible the same way twice. Mm. It's really going to be something that I would highly recommend you be a part of. And uh, it's filling up. So if you're thinking about getting in, uh, boy, we got bum-rushed with people wanting to be a part of it over the weekend, and we'd like to have you there as well. Yeah, for sure. And and that YouTube channel, again, is A Reason for Hope. Uh, it's at a, reason, uh, at a Reason for Hope 546 is the uh, name of our, or the actual URL for our channel. And if you scroll down, if you go to the home and scroll down, you'll see here in the top, uh, Islamic Motivation of Hamas, History of Israel, Facts on the Table. Those are the videos that uh, Pastor Scott was describing of why we stand with Israel. So I'd encourage you to uh, check some of those out. You can go through. Of course, we archive all our Reason for Hope as well as our services. So uh, Sean's really uh, on top of our YouTube channel, making sure that uh, great excerpts are taken out and put it there. So, and he's, if you could pray for him, he's feeling pretty, pretty gross. He's caught a bug that's been flying around, a pretty nasty one. So he's been uh, down for the count. So you could pray for his recovery. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I would say is a uh, fellow uh, uh, has created some of a stir on the internet. He uh, says his name is Muhammad. That's his ha- internet handle on uh, the X platform. He said, I advise Americans and British people to familiarize themselves with some point about the Yemeni fighters, Houthis, before rushing into anything. And he says, they don't follow your movies and TV shows at all. They're not bothered by your media or social distractions. Psychological warfare is useless against them. They're natural born fighters, really no kidding. Their life goal since uh, childhood has been to fight America. Uh, Their last will and testament passed down from their ancestors is to liberate Palestine. Uh, They have at least four to five wars of military experience in various terrains. Uh, Their poets passionately glorify war more than any love, flirtation, or romance poetry. They all obey their leader with absolute obedience. Their only fear is the punishment and wrath of Allah if they fail to support the people of Palestine and backtrack on their support. They love death as much as you love life. Uh, if not more. In any confrontation they engage in, I won't explain these words, you will come to know, understand, and feel them more when facing them. Now, I thought that was fascinating uh, because uh, the, uh, the comments on this uh, included this. Yes, the uh, Houthis also microwave their food for an extra minute and then grab the plate with their bare hands. Oh, wow. <laughs> they... <laughs> Just like a good Shia Muslim And, and uh, they, they just kept going on. Things about uh, they have been known to walk across rooms with uh, barefoot with Legos yeah. in them in the middle of the night and not wince. Uh, but my uh, favorite one was uh, they've watched Cats, the musical, uh, the movie, 10 times back to back every night for a week, and it didn't phase them. <laughs> wow. So they're tough hombres, I guess. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> what makes the, uh, a lot of the, the reason why Shias are supporting Hamas, obviously their hatred for Israel, but it's what makes Iran, Hezbollah, and the Houthi um, militia groups, uh, the political groups, is so dangerous. Is because, well, Iran did this. They they would they don't care about the lives of their children. They'll put AK-47s in their hands. They did that when they fought Iraq. The Houthis have this this militaristic way of life. Yeah. Um, and these are the ones that followed uh, the Shia Muslims, which are Sunnis are 80% of the Muslim population, the world population. So of all the Muslims in the world, 80% are Sunnis. The Shias are following the, the sort of the political lineage of Islam, whereas the Sunnis are uh, believe in the descendants of Muhammad directly as the heads of right. the future of Islam. Right. Um, but for some reason, the that I've not been able to really understand is why the Shias tend to be so militaristic, more so than Sunnis do. And that's ter- it's just terrifying. Yeah, well, uh, certainly uh, that has been their lifestyle. But uh, again, when you're taught knee-high to a grasshopper, the only hope of salvation that you have with any certainty is dying in jihad, uh, you're going to probably grow up 
pretty mm. militaristic. That's going to be something that's going to affect the way uh, you look at life. Mm. Um, but uh, something I'll have to ask Sean. Is yeah, when Sean comes back, we can certainly do this on uh, the Mossad site. Uh, satirical yet awesome is how they build themselves. Uh, they had these comments on the uh, the Houthis. It says they brush their teeth with cement. They eat pop rocks and wash it down with coke. Uh, they sneeze without closing their eyes. So, wow, <laughs> yeah, they're tough hombres. Mm. But uh, and isn't but uh, if all jo- you, you go ahead? Isn't Jordan have uh, not a segment, but where where all do the Houthis reside? I in mean, Yemen. In Yemen is primarily, yeah. but are they? Uh, are, is there movement in other countries as well, or is it? Um, no, it's pretty much restricted to Yemen, and uh, there's been a civil war that has been going on in Yemen for years and years, and we've heard about famines going on in Yemen, largely because of the civil war that's happening there. Mm. And so you have the constituted government, and then you have what are called the Houthi rebels, uh, the ones that don't feel like the government is quite Islamic enough for their taste and want to take over. So. so this is the Taliban of yeah. Yemen. Right? Yeah, yeah, wow. that's uh, basically what it comes down to. Well, we, thank you for the update, Scott, and I uh, really appreciate just keeping up the tabs. It's better than going and digging through the news, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, get to the questions. Mike wanted to know, Mike Hill, thanks for being such a consistent listener, and thank you for all your great questions. Uh, Mike asks, I, I, I heard a sermon saying you can't lose your salvation, but you can forfeit it by walking away or rejecting it. it, it is this an example of what the Bible refers to as apostasy? Well, you know, that's a very interesting question, Mike, and it's certainly one that uh, has, uh, has eaten up quite a bit of uh, my time in terms of discussion and and debate and uh, late-night bowl sessions and things along this line. And uh, really what it comes down to uh, is this. Uh, If a person asks the question, okay, can I lose my salvation? We need to ask a question. Okay, where is the line where someone who is genuinely saved loses it? Absolutely loses his salvation. God uh, removes the Holy Spirit from them, uh, de-chooses them, if you will, uh, unseals, uh, unseals, reneges on the adoption, and and so on. Uh, Where do you cross that line? Well, when the conversation comes up, and I've had more than a few, and you probably have as well, Adrian, some people will say, well, if someone uh, gets involved in a particularly heinous area of sin and doesn't repent, then they've crossed that line. Well, that's an interesting theory. But uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we are told that there was an individual in the church at Corinth who was involved in a sexual relationship with his own mother and that the church hadn't done anything about it but kind of gotten boastful about it. See how gracious and how cosmopolitan liberal we are and and so on. Uh, And uh, Paul just said, uh, you haven't mourned, but uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to turn this guy over uh, to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of Christ Jesus. Well, that's a pretty gross and heinous sin. I'm not sure there are any more mm. you kind of uh, sins that, that peg the ew meter uh, more than that one. I mean, Paul said that sort of sin wasn't even mentioned among the Gentiles. You know, they were like, oh my gosh. Uh, and yet, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, Paul doesn't say, well, it was clear the guy... Uh, isn't saved, so you need to share the gospel with him again. No, Paul said he's going to be turned over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. In other words, there's going to be strong discipline that's going to be applied to him. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul has to exhort the Corinthians to restore him and not add sorrow to his sorrow because we are not ignorant of Satan and his schemes. Mm. Never in that whole process is this guy treated as a non-believer. Okay, so... Um, gross and heinous sin? Maybe not. Uh, well, some people will say, well, uh, what about uh, denying 
yeah. Jesus. Just, For, just forfeiting the beliefs. Yeah, just yeah. saying, you know, forget it, you know, I'm done, or I, I don't know the man. Well, that I don't know the man should strike us as somewhat familiar because no less a person than Simon Peter said that not once, not twice, but three times on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And it's very interesting that when Jesus prophesied about this and told Peter what was going to happen, he said, Simon, Simon, he didn't call him Peter. Simon, again, means shifty or unstable. He was calling him by that name. Mm. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has to have you to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Mm. And when you've repented, returned, strengthened your brethren. And Peter swore up and down wow. that he wasn't going to betray Jesus. Well, if there was ever a guy who absolutely denied Jesus, it was Simon Peter. And yet Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail. That's really an interesting statement because Jesus evidently has a different definition of failed faith than we do. If I had watched Peter do that, I would have said there is a massive spiritual train wreck. So is it denying the Lord? Um, no. Is it exercising our free will and telling God to get out of our lives? Well, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, he cannot deny himself. So it's not my faith that really matters in the long run. It's Christ's faithfulness to his promises mm -hmm. that matters in the long run. Um, you know, and, and, you know, obviously, you know, we'd love for this just to be, you know, an airtight sealed case. People say, I didn't do anything to deserve to get into salvation. I can't possibly do anything to deserve to get out of it. Um, I can forfeit rewards. Obviously, the scripture warns us in 1 Corinthians 3 about some people who will stand before the Lord literally with nothing to show from this life. They'll be saved yet as through the flames. They'll suffer loss, but they themselves will be saved. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and so we look at that, but still people say, yeah, but, but, you know, what about, you know, individuals like, you know, Charles Templeton, who, who had this thriving ministry and then he, uh, drifted and then finally rejected Christ and wrote farewell to God, you know, where he mocked the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you know, even a guy, uh, like, uh, like Templeton, you know, we look at that and both sides of the, you can lose it, uh, versus once saved, always saved. We look at this guy and really agree more than they would disagree uh, because the you can lose it side would say well he rejected Christ he just said forget it I don't want Jesus in my life and Jesus honored his request clearly the guy needs Jesus now the once saved always saved side might say whoa 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 we don't know that for sure that he was ever really a Christian maybe he just faked it Maybe he just did a lot of very righteous things and was a good speaker and God honored his word, but never didn't necessarily honor the messenger and uh, who he really was came out in the wash. So maybe he didn't know God at all. That guy really needs Jesus. Now, do you understand why both sides are coming to the same conclusion? Yeah. They'd look at a guy like that and they'd say, he needs Jesus. You see, and when we get involved in ministering to people in these sets of circumstances, there's, you know, there's two things I want to avoid. First of all, I don't want to put myself in a place where I think I'm the judge of all the earth because I'm not. God looks on the heart. But the second thing that I don't want to do is I don't want to give false assurance to somebody who really needs to get right with God. Mm. Uh, you know, I want to tell, oh, don't worry about it. You're fine. You're fine. Don't, don't, don't worry about this you know, gross moral thing you've got going on in your life. Mm. Um, you know, obviously with a guy in Corinth, God wanted to deal with it and deal with it severely. Yeah. I don't think we do people any favors in, in our day and age when uh, we see people who are living to stimulate their nerve endings or define themselves by the practice of their sexuality and say, oh yeah, I'm sure you're fine because you go to church or you say the right things. Um, you know, if you belong to the Lord, he's gonna discipline you. Mm. And that guy in Corinth is a great example uh, of just how seriously God takes that. So don't get me wrong on that. I don't want to give false assurance to somebody who definitely needs Christ, but neither do I want to rob of any assurance someone that just might have, you know, a really tender conscience mm. or, or, you know, is just really frail in their understanding of what the faith is all about, mm. you know, and so... And write them off. Yeah, you know, so I, I guess, you know, Mike, 
to get back uh, to the the essence of what your question is all about. Um, is there a place where you can lose it? Uh, is it once saved, always saved? The best, most practical answer to that whole issue that I've, I've ever heard is this. It was something that Chuck Smith said. Uh, speaking about Jesus, talking about the vine and the branches, mm. you know, that uh, every vine that doesn't produce, he cuts off, casts the fire, they're burned. But if your word, my word abides in you and you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit and your fruit will remain so you'll show to be my disciples. Um, what Chuck would say is this. He said, I believe in the eternal security of those who abide in a living relationship with Jesus. Mm. But I also believe in the eternal insecurity of those who do not abide in a uh, saving relationship with Jesus, in an intimate relationship with him. And, and I think that is so wise in that, you know, to me, there's an old German proverb that says, uh, eternity's a long bargain. Uh, I, I don't want to dink around with things in this life and then have to live with the consequence of dinking around in the wrong way forever. Uh, mm -hmm. I personally don't want to ask the question, and this is really what it kind of comes down to, uh, with this, where do you cross the line and, and, you, and you leave salvation behind? Well, isn't that really asking how far away from Jesus can I get and still be in? Mm. Shouldn't we really be asking the opposite question? What does it mean for me today to walk with Jesus? Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, I just love uh, the way Jude summed all this up in that tiny little book right before the book of Revelation. If you blink, you'll miss it. But uh, I, I love... What he said about this in verse 20, Jude only has one chapter. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. Amen. Man, if I'm building myself up on my, my host holy faith, if I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm communing with God on a day-by-day -day basis, if I keep myself in the love of God, what does that mean? Uh, again, Chuck Smith would say, uh, there was an old uh, spiritual that says, I'm under the spout where the glory comes out. <laughs> that that's that's where you need to stay mm. you know to be in a place where you're tasting and seeing that the lord is good and that that the relationship you have with god is uh, is just such a delight that you pursue that relationship each and every day knowing that you couldn't pursue it if god wasn't pursuing you in the first place mm. uh you know and, and i just love that he's able to keep you from stumbling i don't have to sit around and go am i in am i out you know i committed a sin does that mean i don't belong to the lord anymore um, no, um, you know, he who began a good work in you will be mm. faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, 6. Yeah, it's not my faith. Mm. It's his faithfulness that mm. ultimately matters. But he does give me the choice. Mm. Can I enjoy a relationship with him today? Yes. Can I live a fruitful life for his glory today? Yes. Uh, can I uh, be able to navigate even the greatest challenges of life by keeping myself in his word? Yes. Why would I want to turn my back on these sort of things? Mm. Great, great. And I love the way you balance that out, but you know, because I often try to think of it in theological terms. Well, what's the theology of the, the soteriological truth the Bible's trying to communicate? And then there's those questionable areas where, like, gosh, I'm not really sure. But you separate that from the practical application of how do I deal relationally with those in light of what the Bible teaches, so that I'm not leading people astray, so that I'm not giving people a false hope, also not destroying the little faith of a genuine believer at the same time that as james says if you do have sin we have an advocate that stands before the father yeah yeah and that's you know because my i wasn't raised in a christian home but my mom was raised catholic and still is a very very strong catholic and i remember there was a short season in my life uh, during the divorce years you know my parents divorced where my mom before i moved in with my dad shoved me in catholic school so i was second grade i was the you know, the uniform and all. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, the idea that if you were to commit a sin on your deathbed and didn't have a chance to confess it, that you could have to pay for that sin, that Jesus' blood would not cover you. 
it, that's a kind of a terrifying way to live. It and keeps the troops in line, but it's not biblical. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but, you know, as a kid, and then when you hear yeah. the gospel later, uh, some of those ideas stuck where I thought, gosh, if, I, if I, I have to repent, I have to get this right now, because if I were to, you know, trip and fall and pass away in football practice or get in a car accident, I'm I'm going to go to hell, <laughs> you know, and over, you know, yelling or saying a swear word to my mom or something, you know, that kind of thing. And and the gospel is just so different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and- the human way of looking at righteousness yeah and and i think these uh, kind of you know out bibling the bible kind of rules uh, come in because uh, we're worried about people towing the line and making us look bad mm-hmm. because people are messy and people make bad decisions and boy if you can say to them well i don't think you're saved at all you know yeah. you know ten, chances are you're gonna be more left right left right i'm not gonna step out of line but is that a relationship with god or is that a reaction to fear based upon some heavy legalistic trip someone's put on you. Mm. Um, you know, th- you know, it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's his mercies that cause us to want to live a life that pleases him. Because you can only crack the whip so long, and boy, we see it with cults, and we see it with uh, legalistic-oriented uh, Christians. You can only crack the whip so long before either you know the the person gets dull to this the sting of the whip or they become so resentful about the whip they just said well just forget it i'm i'm done uh but a love relationship with jesus is that which uh is is the perfect answer to all of this you know it's the old uh, walking with jesus isn't a got to it's mm. a get to mm. and if we look at it that way then it'll change the entire way we live our life and the moral decisions that we make so. amen to that yeah. Start off with the truth. Yep. Well, we got time for more. Uh, Bob, thanks for t- tuning in. He wanted to know if you get a chance, would you please give your take on the series of chosen? Yeah, we do get that question quite a bit, Bob. But uh, we're happy to. Uh, I, I I personally have not watched the series, um, and my main reason for avoiding it is that I don't want to. I don't want to get into my mind any ideas or emotions based on how people interact with each other in a biblical story that might candy coat or colorize the narrative outside of scripture. So I, as a habit, just tend, I'm not opposed to it, I just tend to not be interested. There's a couple older films that I really loved, um, especially the one, The Acts of the Apostles, the one that was, I think, made in the 70s. Uh, that really ministered to me when I was a brand new believer, but I, I personally have just kind of avoided it. I, if I want to know about the chosen, I'll just read the Bible. <laughs> but that's just kind of my my attitude. How about you, Pastor Scott? Well, there's uh, some definite concerns about the chosen. Um, Dallas Jenkins, uh, the producer, uh, uh, collaborated uh, with uh, some uh, individuals that are part of uh, the Mormon Church. Uh, in fact, uh, the distributor of the Shorevid Angel was founded by two Mormons. Uh, there are some statements that Dallas Jenkins has made in the past that seem to embrace Mormons as full-fledged brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, the big question we need to ask is, is this then a Mormon show? Uh, to date, uh, it doesn't seem like there's a, a smoking gun as far as some kind of Mormon theology that has been taught. Uh, within the show. But uh, I would say with uh, these individuals uh, who are behind it, um, you know, I would definitely keep my eyes open. There's also another big dust up when um, a number of, uh, there was a fellow, I guess, who was working in the production uh, who had a um, uh, LGBTQ rainbow flag uh, on his uh, camera and people were saying, oh, you know, we, we can't support this. And a number of the uh, cast uh, said, no, we stand with this guy and we want him to be here. And, and these people are just bigots. And if you are prejudiced against uh, LGBTQ people, uh, we don't want you watching our show. And that created a, a big dust up uh, as well. And, you know, it seems like uh, the fire got put out in that uh, these are actors. They are paid actors. Uh, once again, the content of the series seems to be what people want to focus on. Having said that, 
there are areas of content within the show that are uh, dramatic license, uh, obviously, uh, and are somewhat troubling. Uh, a uh, segment where Jesus was going to give the Sermon on the Mount and kind of ran it by the disciples and asked for their input uh, on it, uh, like he needed some corrections or focus grouping it. I think uh, it's a little much. So, mm. um, you know, I guess what I would say is this. Uh, is there any Mormon theology directly taught in The Chosen? None that I've seen. Uh, well, and he did respond to that. I, the controversial stuff, I did go and watch his his replies to that. And right. He said, I'm not a Mormon. Right. We're not Mormons. But there are Mormon cast members or people who are part of the Mormon church who are part of yeah, the Yeah, production program. staff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was all I heard, though. That's all yeah. I heard him say. But I guess what it would come down to is this. Why are you watching it? You know, if you find it entertaining, that's great. Uh, you can obviously find some other more destructive forms of entertainment uh, that you can allow in your mind. Uh, I've uh, run into people in our church who just say, you know, it just really has helped me in terms of my, uh, my relationship with God. I feel closer to him uh, as a result of watching this. Uh, the Bible seems more vivid to me. Passages seem more clear. You know, if, if that's what you're getting out of it, you know, knock yourself out. But I would be very, very careful, uh, you know, on, a, on a, just a, a couple of levels. You know, I think it's really interesting that uh, in the gospel accounts, Jesus is never described physically, ever. Right. And uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, Jesus is God in human flesh. And what makes mm -hmm. Jesus special isn't necessarily how he looked, what his hair color was, the way he would smile at somebody, this sort of thing. It, it was the fact that he's God in human flesh. He is the, the, the perfect representation of the unseen God. Uh, and is God very God in human flesh? Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, I think the New Testament writers were very careful about, say, the idea of tripping over the idea of making a uh, graven image, if you will, yeah. of who God is. Uh, seems like we've blown past a lot of those concerns. Uh, so, you know, I would, I would just keep that in mind. And, uh, you know, I would say that if you find it kind of aggravating or eye rolling, don't watch it. You know, they're, you know, get out your Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, it's not that we can't look at media presentations of biblical truth and get something out of it. Mm. But if they start to take the place of our time in the Bible, that, that I would say would be a big heads up. So... Yeah, I... Uh, Looks like we've come to the end of it, yeah, haven't we? <laughs> I, I, I would come across colleagues who do what's called gospel magic, and they would pull out the big flag with the picture of Jesus on there, and I was cringe. I was like, why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in. We hope you have a wonderful weekend, and uh, pray for Israel, pray for Pastor Sean, and God bless you. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.